title of the message this morning is A Love for God's Word. If you're making notes, jot that down. A Love for God's Word, and this is part one. We will look at part two at a later stage. Now, as mentioned earlier in the service, our theme for this year is growing in God's Word. Please say that with me, growing in God's Word. We are expectant of the Lord. Our expectation is of the Lord regarding what He will do this year in terms of this theme. And uh, in case you weren't here last Sunday, here's just a quick little recap on the big idea. What's the big idea? We're calling upon you as a congregation to read through the entire New Testament. Yet you heard it right. The entire New Testament during this year. It is a great opportunity. I could well believe that for many people here, this may be the first time that you will ever read, will ever have read through the New Testament. There is no doubt it is going to be a blessing to us. As we see in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we see how Jesus was on earth ministering. Then in the book of Acts, we see how the church was birthed. And the power of God was present mightily in that New Testament church. And then as it goes on into churches being planted and the apostles leading and guiding those churches and writing letters which became scripture. So it's going to be an exciting journey and we look forward to it. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. We propose you read one per day starting next Sunday. And so next Sunday, we'll also have our YouVersion app, which is a very well-known Bible app. They have created a special reading program for us. You'll be able to search the name of our reading program, Growing in God's Word, or hashtag NT260, or Choose Life Church. You'll be able to see our unique reading plan and join together. You'll be able to also select Read by Myself or read with friends, and you can send that link to other friends or your life group or buddies that you're going to read together with, and so we're excited about this. 260 chapters, one per day, starting on Sunday, the 4th of February. Don't miss next Sunday as we kick this off corporately, and it'll go right through till Sunday, the 21st of October. And uh, by the time we get there, we're going to have to do something to celebrate. I don't know what we're going to do. So if you've got some ideas uh, about what we're going to do just to have a little celebration, I know it might include ice cream. Well, that's cool. We'll see how it goes. But folks, what a wonderful thing to do that we are going to be focusing on the Word of God consistently, regularly, throughout the year. It is a wonderful opportunity, and I'm looking forward to it now. As I share today's message, I'm trusting God that there will be a, the beginnings of a stirring of a greater passion for the Word of God, a greater love for the Word of God. As I stand here speaking before you, I'm sure there are many people in different places regarding how you feel about the Word of God, how passionate you are or aren't for the Word of God. And I'm trusting that by God's Spirit, He's going to do something even with these words that I'm sharing right now, because I can just share as best as I can, but it takes the anointing and it takes the Spirit of God to make it come alive in your spirit, and I prophesy that that's going to be happening by the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. 
Now, let me start off with the story. I heard of a Christian ministry in Pretoria, and if I mentioned the name, you would know this Christian ministry. So it's not a church, it's a ministry, parachurch ministry. They were doing some staff training and about 20 staff members, they'd gather them together all in the boardroom and now they're going to have a good time of input. They had invited an outside facilitator, Christian facilitator, to come and spend some time with them and just enrich them, build them up and, and get them really fired up for the year ahead. And in this particular occasion, the outside facilitator, he asked the following question. He said this, what's your favorite verse or book of the Bible? And he did say, you can't say John 3 verse 16, okay? He said, because yeah, you are, you're a Christian ministry, you are giving out, you are actually ministering. And it's so important that the word of Christ would be in you, in you richly. So think about it for a moment. And this is my question. What is your favorite Bible verse or book in the Bible? Because I want to hear from you. So he opened it up for people to comment. And the room got very quiet. Nobody really seemed to be responding. So he thought, well, he better just probe somebody a little bit. And uh, he said to the one person, well, uh, what's your favorite and this person sheepishly looked back to him and said, well, I can't really think of one right now, you know. And I'm sure the facilitator thought to himself, but this is a Christian ministry, strong believers here. Why can't this person even think of a book or a scripture that really means a lot to them? And, and then he thought he would try somebody else. So he looked at somebody else in the group and said, well, what's your answer? What's your favorite scripture? or book of the Bible. And you know what the response was? This person said, well, you know what? My favorite book is Matthew. I so love Matthew. Good, good. The facilitator said, and, and why do you like Matthew so much? So the person answered, well, because it just speaks about creation. <laughs> and everything in creation and God's wonderful plan. Now, by the way, for those of you that don't know, it doesn't speak about creation. That's Genesis, okay? And so it was a little bit of an awkward moment, but if you were in that context, would you be able to confidently give a good answer to that? I trust that you would be able to do so. Daniel 11 verse 32 says the following. It's on your screen. It says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That output of being strong and carrying out great exploits comes from people who know their God. And part of knowing God is, listen, knowing His Word. You cannot think that you're going to grow and develop a wonderful walk with the Lord Jesus if you totally exclude the Word of God. The Word of God is paramount. It needs to be revered, honored, loved, and even exalted. The Scriptures even need to be exalted, as the Word says. Now, number one, we need to cultivate a deep love for God's Word within our hearts. Can you agree with that statement? Please say that with me. We need to cultivate a deep love for God's word within our hearts. I think the real important word there is cultivate. You have to grow it. You have to develop it. Maybe you've only been serving the Lord for three months at this point in time. 
You're very new, and you haven't really learned to, to love the Scriptures, to love the Word of God. That's fine. And in your journey, you're going to be cultivating that. You can be developing that. I have, however, discovered that some Christians, they don't cultivate. And then you wonder why there's very little strength, but the Bible says that we'll be strong if we know our God. And so I want to say to you, this might be the first time you've ever thought of cultivating a love for God's Word. I want to say, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. You can begin to stir that love, that passion for the Word of God. One of our values at Choose Life Church is a love for God's Word. We've been declaring it since the first day Choose Life opened. It's in our documentation on our website. Every time we have a new members meeting, we talk about this, a love for God's word, we mention it. And I knew that right from the start, this simply had to be included as one of our core values. And you say, well, John, where did the sense of priority stem from regarding the word of God? And come to think of it, I would actually have to pay tribute to my father and my mother because they instilled in me and in us as sons, as brothers, Andrew, Peter, John, I'm the youngest of three brothers, they instilled in us a love for God's word. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for that. I also just wanna say to you that what you model for your children are so important. It, It is so important. Because if they never see you engaging with the Word of God or talking about it or having it in your heart or having it on your lips, the chances are they're not going to develop a love for God's Word. Don't underestimate the power of your example. You set an example. And as you live your life with a love for the Word of God, people begin to look at it, they admire it, they're inspired by it, and they want to have a love for God's Word. And, but I honor my parents, my dad and my mom, for instilling a love for God's Word. I remember so well the day that Mandri and I were ordained for ministry. We were on the stage there at Hatfield, January 1996, and we were sitting on chairs that they'd put out and The eldership team gathered around and my dad was praying. He had the anointing oil and he anointed us and then he put his hands on my head and this is what he said. He said, John, be a Bible man. And then he went on to say, John, be a spirit man. I believe that is the key to see the life of God in the church, the Word and the Spirit, both in powerful operation. And I've never forgotten those words. In fact, those words shaped my life because my dad was speaking a little bit of a gem right there. And he said, John, be a Bible man, be a Holy Spirit man. So, sir, ma'am, are you modeling a love for God's word to those around you, in particular for your offspring? Because you must not underestimate the power of your example. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3 is on your screen. And have a look in verse 2, the word, his delight. This is talking about somebody who delights in the law of the Lord. In other words, delights in his word. Let's read it together. It says there, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. In other words, this person has said, I'm I'm putting aside wickedness. Number two, it says, But his delight, those two words, please say them, his delight. One more time. 
His delight, do you see this? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. There is a priority around the law and the word of God. And he has the promise. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I love this. A person delighting in God's law, delighting in God's word. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you find God's law boring? Or do you delight in it? Somebody said to me during the week, uh, John, I'm so glad to hear that you've been reading through the whole Bible and you're 75% through, because I find it so boring. And those genealogies, this one, that one, this name, and so on. And, And I thought to myself, golly, golly. You see, because I believe that we have to cultivate this delight. Now, I do know that there are parts of the word that are difficult to read through. When you're reading about the temple and the tabernacle and all the things inside being manufactured and their dimensions and all of this, and when you're reading about the sacrifices and all the details of each sacrifice and what has to be done and how many bulls have to be slaughtered and this, that, and the next thing, I can understand that is a little bit of a grind, but let me tell you, you need to look out for the story of redemption. It flows right through the Word of God. You need to look for Jesus right from the Old Testament right into the New Testament. And so I want to say to you, if you've confessed that the Word of God is boring, say, God, I'm sorry that I've said that. I'm going to be one who will delight in the Word of God. Say amen if you agree with that. Psalm 119, verse 103, it's on your screen. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And In Psalm 19, verse 10, it says concerning the words of God, it says, They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Now, doesn't that picture on your screen of some lovely honeycomb look delicious? It is. Let me tell you, I, I really just love honeycomb. It is absolutely delicious. And my dad, he also used to love it, and he taught me to enjoy it too. Uh, this December when we were away, we went to a little market, one of these markets, and when they sell all those things, and the men walk around thinking, gee, there's nothing that interests me. But I saw honey. Honey interests me. And uh, I looked at this honey, and it was only 30 rand for a whole big block of honey. That's really not bad. In Pretoria, you're going to pray a lot more for honey than that. Um, And so there I was looking at this honey, took it home, made some toast, put some lacquer honey on, and it is mm, delicious. How many of you have ever eaten honey on the comb? Raise, Raise a hand if you have. Okay. Well, it is delicious. And it's such a unique taste, and it's completely natural. And so the psalmist is saying that this is what the Word of God is like to me. This most incredible product that at that point in time on the earth, this most beautiful, sweet, delightful product, which people would have delighted to eat in those days. And the psalmist is saying, you know what? This is like God's word to me. It's like eating the sweetest honey from a honeycomb. And by the way, did you know that Jesus ate honeycomb? Did you know that? It's recorded in scripture. I think it's in Luke uh, 24, somewhere around there. 
And after his appearance from being raised from the dead, after his resurrection, he goes and appears to a few of his disciples, and they are shocked to see him. They think he's a ghost, but he says, look, see my hands and see my feet. And then they gave him something to eat. What did they give him? They gave him broiled fish, and they also gave him honeycomb to eat. Isn't that interesting? So this is what you call no carbs, protein, and sweets. All right. This is a biblical diet. No carbs, protein, and sweets is what you need to focus on. All right. I'm just teasing. But back to the issue. God's words are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to skip Psalm 119. I was wanting to read a whole bunch of scriptures from that. I'm going to go straight to point number two of three points. Number two, God's word is life to you. Please say that with me. God's word is life to you. Do you realize that it is that? It is life. And I believe that a healthy Christian life involves the continual intake of God's word. I think it's sad when just occasionally we grab a bit of word here and then 12 days later grab a little bit of word and, and then we hear something on the radio and we grab a bit of word of what Uncle Ankers is saying. I believe that a healthy Christian life involves that we take in the word regularly, okay? I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm just talking about being regular, and it says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, and it's also echoed in Luke 4 verse 4, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, this is referring to the physical body, but man lives, would you please say the word lives, yes. say it a bit more with a liveliness, lives, this is talking now about the spirit part, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You have to realize that what makes you come truly alive as a person is not just relying on physical food, but realizing you have to feed the spirit man. And God is saying here yeah, that man, if I could add in, truly lives, truly flourishes, truly comes alive by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I ask you today, are you really living? Are you really living? Is there a, a flourishing in your spirit? Because there can be. I believe that some people under the sound of my voice are living physically, but their spirits are starving. Some people even here. Some people listening to me on television. You're living physically. You might even be in fantastic shape physically, but your spirit is starving. Your spirit is crying out for food, saying, would you feed me? I need the bread of heaven. And know this, it is not God's plan for you to be half starved. He wants you to be healthy and well nourished in your spirit, man. And so when it says that man lives by the words of God, I want to tell you that that is true. Maybe for some of us here, we've been living very well in a physical sense, but spiritually God is talking to you today and he's saying, I want you to step it up. I want you to step up to the plate and begin to eat of the word of God and you will be nourished and you will be well fed and you will grow and be strong in the Lord. And so as we eat of the word of God, 
that's when we truly and really live. Charles Spurgeon made the following statement. He said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Proverbs 4, verse 20, it's on your screen. Also talking about the importance of God's statutes and his words. It says in Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Well, that's exactly what we're doing this year. We're going to be reading through the whole New Testament. We're going to be giving attention to the words of God. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Can you see the focus on the word? It needs to be in front of your eyes, and it says, keep them in the midst of your heart. And so this is important, folks. God's word belongs somewhere. It belongs in your heart. There's another scripture that says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's great to know the scriptures from mind and be able to quote them, but let it even go into your heart, that it would dwell there. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So what does the word of God do? It brings life. It brings health. But look at those words, to those who find them. I want to ask you this year, Are you going to be somebody who's going to find those words? Come on, say yes. Because we're going to be traveling through the New Testament this year and see it as an opportunity to search the scriptures, to find the words, to grow in the ways of the Lord. So God's words are life and health. Please tell that to the person next to you. God's words are life and health. Look at them and tell them that, please. Number three. God's word brings out our true beauty. Would you say that aloud with me? God's word brings out our true beauty. And there's a scripture to back this up. It's Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27. And it says here, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water of the word. Just take note firstly that the word of God brings sanctifying and cleansing. Isn't that interesting? Let me say that again. The word brings sanctifying. It brings cleansing. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water of the word. Can you see what the word does? It washes you. It brings out your true beauty. It goes on to say that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And so there's this wonderful thing. As God's word is going to be washing over you this year, it's going to be bringing out the real person that you are in Christ Jesus. It's going to be bringing out your real beauty. And you might even have people later on during this year that they say, you seem to be so much more, I don't know, kind or, or nicer than you were at the beginning of the year. And you just keep quiet and you just know that God's been washing over you. His word has been washing over you. 
And in terms of washing, it usually involves, if you think of a washing machine, you've basically got water and soap, and it goes over and over and over something, so that the end result is that your clothes come out cleaner and nicer. And isn't that what the Word of God does? The washing of water by the Word. And so as we expose ourselves to the Word of God, He's washing. He's washing. He's taking some of that nonsense in our mindsets away. Our minds are being renewed. We've been cleansed. And you and I are becoming more beautiful. Because the Word of God is busy influencing our lives. Let me tell you a little story. I remember... We had a musical here in the church. It was about seven years ago, a Choose Life musical, and uh, it was quite a big deal, well put together. We invited some of the unsaved family uh, on Mandri's side of the family to come and uh, enjoy this musical. And by the way, sometimes do you also get nervous when you have unsaved family and they're coming in and you just hope somebody's going to fall down under the power and then they freak out and run out? Yeah. So it's not only you that thinks that way. I also like a little bit... Uh, in any case, no, so we have this musical, and it went very well, and lots of singing, 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 and part of the musical was one or two songs with quite a repetitive chorus. The chorus went over and over and over again. In any case, musical was a success. We went home, we, we went out for coffee afterwards with this family that we had invited, unsaved people, and then the man said to me something very interesting. He said, I see you like sing some of the lyrics over and over again. He said, are you like trying to brainwash people? (laughs) Are you trying to, I'm thinking, are you kidding, dude? Are you trying to brainwash people? And then I'm thinking, what am I going to say to him? I said, I said, no, certainly not. But I will tell you this, that the Bible says that we are to renew our minds according to Romans 12 verse 2. And as the Word of God washes over us, our minds get renewed. Well, he didn't really seem to buy my answer, but I thought my answer was good enough. What do you think of it? Eh? It was okay. All right. And so I want to say that God has made you to be beautiful. He's clothed you in robes of righteousness. And as a righteous child of God, as you expose yourself to the Word of God more and more, He cleans you in terms of a work of sanctification, in terms of your mind, in terms of your soul. And the more the Word washes over you, the more beautiful you become. And so let me say this, God's Word should not be a matter of drudgery, but it should be a matter of Delight, Wouldn't you agree with that? Can you say amen? Now, I'd like to end off by reading you a brief story, and it's entitled, The Only Book Saved. Allow me to read this to you, and then we'll stand and close in prayer. It reads as follows. Alexander Duff, the first foreign missionary of the Church of Scotland, got off to a rough start. He was young only 23 years of age, and was bright and innovative. But on his way to India in 1829, with his new wife, he was shipwrecked, not once, but twice. The most serious wreck occurred when his ship, the Lady Holland, was within just a few miles of India. At 10 o'clock in the night, Duff was half undressed, 
when a shock and shudder ran through the vessel. He rushed to the deck to where the captain was to hear the terrifying words, Oh, she's gone. She's gone. The vessel is gone. The ship had split apart, but a portion clung precariously to the reef. Through the night, the the passengers huddled in terror in the surviving portion, expecting to be swept away at any point in time. Thankfully, the next day, they were saved. But their clothes and prized possessions were completely lost, including Duff's entire library of 800 volumes. Maybe that's why the ship sank. I don't know. Later, standing on the shore and looking sadly out towards the reef, Duff saw a small package bobbing atop the water. He watched and waited as it floated floated close enough for him to be able to wade out and retrieve it. And do you know what? It was his Bible. Of all his precious books, it alone had survived. And his heart soared. For he took this as a sign from the Lord that this one book alone was worth more than all the other books put together. He soon assembled his fellow survivors and read Psalm 107, the traveler's psalm. Soon, using the same Bible, he began his first class with a little group of five boys under a tree. Within a week, the class had grown to 300 in attendance and soon became a school that evangelized and educated the higher classes in India, producing a qualified generation of leaders for that nation's young church. To God be the glory. Let's give the Lord a hand. And so I want to tell you, you can just take the Bible. And with this one book, you can begin to see change in society. Let's stand and pray together. Would you please stand right now? Perhaps if you're comfortable with doing so, just take the hand of the person next to you. And I just want to say that maybe here is one scripture that you could memorize this week. This is the scripture. His delight is in the law of the Lord. If you forget everything else that's been said today... Let that come into your heart. His delight is in the law of the Lord. So, Father, Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for what you are busy doing as you are taking us on and leading us as a local church. We say yes to your plan and we say yes to your purpose. Father, we thank you that I believe that you are stirring a love for the Word of God. For those of us that have said it's boring, forgive us, Lord. We choose to delight in your Word and see it as sweet honey from the honeycomb. And I pray, Father, that this would be a year of unprecedented growth in the Word of God and in the Spirit of God. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all say, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.